Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey, I'm Steve Azar, and I'm with my good friend, two-time major champion, 18 times winner in different continents around the world, the great John Daly. Steve, how you doing, buddy? How did that sound? That formal? Formal enough for you? <laughs> Pretty That's good, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm on yeah. the other side of the microphone or the other side of the interview. It's a, it's odd, but uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I know I watched you recently with Little John, and uh, you guys were playing in the PNC and had a great final round, I think 64. And it's wild to see Little John not little anymore. Ever since, ever since we did that video with you in Nashville, when he was in his diaper putting with a passing. <laughs> Making a putt. I mean, can you believe that? Oh, my That's God. Been, it's amazing. And he's gotten... That's been 12 years already. 10 years. Has it been that long? The mere fact that we're both still here is anything short of a miracle. That's what I. That's all I have to say. Well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I love it because, John, yeah, the, the, um, the video, You Don't Know a Thing, for one of my songs, uh, I remember I was playing, I think we were playing in Ronald Reagan's hometown, 4th of July. You had uh, to play at the Western Open in Chicago, and somehow I left my tour bus, and you were in your Maybach. What, what was what car did you, what was that car you had? Big Maybach, the 62, I think. Yeah, it looked like a stretch limo in the back. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And so I think I was driving you back. To Chicago, and I don't even know how, I guess the bus may have, my bus may have came back the next day to get me, but I remember playing you the song, You Don't Know a Thing, and I loved writing that song, and I remember you going, Stevie, that's my life, and I, so we decided to shoot the video, and uh, everybody sort of taking their own swings at life, and uh, and yeah, it was great, but little John, little John had his pacifier, and yeah, you wanted to drive, you had to fly and go do a show, you left your bus there. And I was playing in Moline. Yeah. And then you said you had to catch a flight. And I said, hell, I'll just take you. I know. I think the bus met, I think the bus met you. <laughs> I think you're right. I think we were zipping down the highway pretty fast in that in that vehicle of yours. So, uh, hey, well, the reason I couldn't drive because I was too drunk. And, you know, <laughs> you don't drive when you drink, right? <laughs> no, no, you do not drive when you drink. No, 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 no. You know, I I think I have sort of a get out of jail free card in Mississippi at times, but I still don't push it. But but I can tell you that uh, that uh, in any other state I'm wanted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, hey, so, okay, John. So I'm with John Daly, a uh, great friend of mine. Uh, helped me pick my house out in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, we played a lot of golf rounds together. I've been blessed to, to see the magic of those hands around the greens. I've always said that uh, you do hit the ball. You were the first guy to hit it th- average 300 yards, right, to yeah, average that distance I, on tour. I was. If anybody has ever played with you like I have, to me, the best part of your game is anything around the greens. I've never seen hands on a golf club look so soft in the ball. You just don't even hear it. Don't you credit winning those majors? Obviously, you had to hit it a mile and probably ran ran for days at San, San Andrews and all that, but but even at Crooked Stick and all that, I don't you think that your short game was sort of the what got you there? It was. I mean, back then, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hit it somewhat long, but um, you know, people forget that that was a lot of golf ball. You really had to work it. If you want to hit a draw, you had to roll your hands over. If you wanted to hit a cut, you really had to come inside and cut it. You know, come come in steep and cut it. Um, but the great thing about the, the a lot of ball was back then it spun so it was very a lot it's a lot more easier to chip than the balls are nowadays but yeah i mean it doesn't matter who hits it how far they hit it even today there's just a lot of guys that are averaging over 300 easily um but they win with a short game you look at jordan speed justin thomas right even dustin johnson hits it a mile but you know his putting is you know their putting is what wins golf tournaments in the short game um and that's just the way it's always going to be i mean tiger you know, wasn't the great, he's not the greatest driver of the golf ball, but man, I mean, holding out iron shots and wedges and chip yeah. shots and making those eight and 10 footers for par to keep around going. That's why he was so dominant for 10 years. Right. Just made everything. I know, I know you and Tiger are good friends and, uh, and you probably have been a help, big help to Tiger, um, in the last few years. I, I know that you probably have kept in touch with him and, through your own trials and tribulations, we're, we're able to really probably give him some great advice, right? Well, I mean, I've just told, you know, I've reached out to him and when everything's happened to him and everything, I never got any calls back. I think uh, his agents are pretty much wrapped up and kind of give him the advice or other people, right. but he knows I reached out to try and help him. You know, I just never got, never really right. got a call back. So well, that means... I, hope, I just can't wait for him to come back and hope he stays healthy because golf needs him and I want to see him beat Nicholas's records. That's what, you know, look at the things that we've seen in our lifetime. The Red Sox won a, won a World Series. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Cubbies won a World Series. I mean, yeah, that was awesome. certain, things like, certain things like that. It's just, you know, that you don't think you're ever going to see. And um, to see somebody hopefully win 19 majors to beat Nicholas's record, he needs five more. Right. I'm, I'm all for it. I, I hope he does it. Talking to John Daly. I'm sure he's in Dardanelle, Arkansas right now. Is that where you are, John? I'm actually down in Florida. It's too cold in Arkansas right oh. now. <laughs> it is. Uh, John grew up uh, as a little boy in Dardanelle, Arkansas. Ended up owning the golf course he, he grew up playing on. And uh, I've spent some time in Dardanelle. Long nights in Dardanelle. Dardanelle probably stays... Actually, Dardanelle, Arkansas... You guys stay up later than anybody in L.A. or New York, just FYI. Well, you know, we can be as loud as we want, or we could be as quiet as we want there. It's like the compound, the Lions Den compound. <laughs> it is. It is the Lions Den. Okay, before I met you, I knew Jim Gallagher Jr., obviously an adopted son of Mississippi. And he finished his... the governor. He's the governor. That's right. He is the governor. And I just, I just saw him recently. He's not the governor. He's the governor. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm not good at accents, but that's pretty. I saw him recently at a, at a basketball game, 
His daughter was playing and my daughter was playing, so it was good to catch up. But I remember him making a charge on the final round. But take us back to Crooked Stick and your first major championship, just because I don't think I've, you've ever told me the story of, obviously, you were like the eighth or ninth alternate, whatever it was. Like, like how did you even get in? But much less sort of your psyche as you made your way through each round. Um, it's got to be pretty familiar in, in, uh, in your mind still today. Well, the thing is, it's, it was just one of those weeks that um, I wasn't playing great, but I was so happy I had I kept my card for 92. Right. You know, so I wasn't going to have to go back to Q school, and I had a good shot of getting Rookie of the Year. I was playing pretty good, you know, throughout the year. But going in there, I wasn't playing all that great. I was hitting it good. I just wasn't scoring. And after the first round, I told Squeaky, I said, man, this golf course is made for me. I never played a practice round because I got in at 2 a.m. on Thursday morning. Took Nick Price's tee time. I think it was around twelve. Something. And Squeaky was Squeaky was Nick's caddy, right? Nick Price's old caddy, Jeff Medlin. Yeah, we lost him a few years ago. Right, so, right. But but he, man, was, he was awesome. He was awesome. But the reason you had Squeaky was because Nick bailed. Right, he would be backed out because he was having a baby. His wife was having a baby or something. Right. Yeah, him and Cindy were having. Yeah, they were having their first child. And uh, okay, so he 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 called me and says, "Hey, man." Uh, do you have a caddy? I said, well, not really. I said, um, I really didn't think I was going to get in. So he said, yeah, just you squeak. And I said, perfect, no problem. <laughs> and uh, we went out there, and on the second hole, I hit this beautiful drive and had 200 yards in. And I think those fairways were Zoysia back then, so the ball goes about 8 to 10 yards further off Zoysia. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, I said, well, I'll just knock this, this 8 iron up there and let's get it going. And he goes, what? And he goes, just kill it then. Kill it, John. Kill it. <laughs> I killed it. I think I made birdie or hit a really good shot. And he goes, okay, you're three clubs longer than Nick Price is. So I got that figured out. (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, and the dog legs are perfect. Nobody could fly the dog legs back then. And I was flying all the dog legs and and, uh, just using my length to my advantage because I was hitting the driver so straight. Yeah. Had a lot of short irons and a lot of the long par fours there, which is a big advantage. But still, I mean, you still had to make putts, and and I made I made my fair share of putts that week. Made a lot of great six and seven footers for pars. Right, which is rounds going, which is the key, right? I mean, that you're going to have a ton of them. Yeah, you always in majors, you're always going to have no matter where you're playing, you're always going to have par putts. I mean, some aren't going to be as short as you want, but. Uh, it's just because the golf course doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to hit 18 greens. As a viewer, you came onto the scene and you had such dynamic charisma. To me, being in the entertainment business and you got to have that thing, they say, whatever it is. You know, I think of Arnie and I think of Jack and I, I, I mean, you know, Seve and I think of Tiger and I think of you. And the importance of having you and Tiger still around playing golf right now, even though we have all the a lot of great young guys, and they, you guys have all obviously influenced them in a huge way. When you and Tiger are on TV, the crowds are bigger there, the audience is bigger. It's pretty cool, man, an Arkansas boy. And we're going to come right back. I'm with John Daly, and you're listening to In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. I've been dying for you. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. 
right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When I was 16, I knew everything. I'm with John Daly, two-time major champion on the PGA Tour. 18 times around the world. Been a lot of uh, crazy nights with John uh, in different parts of the country. Uh, uh, sometimes in Dardanelle, Arkansas, where he was raised, uh, and also a Razorback. Uh, he's taking us through the final round. I want to hear about the final round, what was going through his head in the 1991 PGA Championship. John, so take me through the night before. Uh, how many times you may have uh, thrown up? I mean, what 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 went on? I got to know. I mean, when you hit that tee, when you hit the tee box, what was going through the first tee box? What's going through your mind when the whole world is watching you at this point? Everybody. Well, I was pretty loose. I mean, I, I didn't really know the what was going to happen with all the exemption status and everything. I never really thought about to ask if I won. I, so I really just went out and just kept my, just played my golf, played my game. You know, I didn't really worry too much. I got off to, uh, I think I bogeyed the first so and birdied the second. I got back on track. And, uh, I mean, of course I was nervous, but it was all positive. You know, I made the par putt. I had a three-shot lead in 18 and, and made that par putt to win by two or three. And um, I didn't really do anything different. I just kept believing that I could fly all the dog legs and get myself short shots into the greens. When I was playing with Kenny Knox, he didn't really hit it that far, but he played great. I mean, he hit it solid, but I had the advantage as long as I kept hitting fairways. And, right. you know, uh, that whole week I ate up the par fives. It was hitting, except for nine, I think I was hitting ones and two irons, and it was a little longer par five. But most of the other par fives, I think it might have been three. I might have had to hit a three wood or, or, or one iron into, but the other two were all short irons. And, you know, I'm talking eights, nines, and seven irons when most guys couldn't get to them. And, uh, right. So the par fives all week were advantage. And, uh, like I said, I just putted really, really good the whole week. And Sunday wasn't any different for me. And that was when you get four days of good driving and good putting, you don't have to hit your irons that super, you know? You know, it's funny. As I've gotten older, I hit more greens than I ever did and make less putts because I'm further away from the hole. You know what I mean? But I used to have to save myself all the time. I hit no greens. I'd get up and down, and, you know, it'd be 74, 77, 70, whatever. I would be so tired at the end of the day because I hit, like, four greens. Now I hit, like, 14 greens or 12, 13 greens, and my scores aren't as good. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what's happening to me, but I obviously don't putt like I used to. So, or, you know, let's get back well, to... You don't do it for a living. No. I mean, that's the thing. But I would like to ask you, could I have done this for a living after watching me play and answer that with a quick no? <laughs> no. Well, I would not want to. Like I said, all you need to do is work on the short game. You could hit it. You just need to work on the short game. I mean, yeah. that's the problem with, with amateurs. They don't they, – nowadays, especially nowadays, all they want to do is see how far they can hit it because that's what the game's all about. That's where the golf ball right. takes in the game and – I see these kids on driving ranges just pounding drivers and on the range racks. And, you know, it's that's not where the game is. Even today, I mean, like I said, if you don't have a short game, you're not going to make it out right. there. Right, Spieth looks just, I mean, he's perfect, to, perfect example. I mean, because he makes those, oh, a lot yeah, of those 15, 18 Fowler. footers. Right, right, right. Oh, and, him and Ricky Fowler, I mean. Yeah. I actually think Fowler's going to have the year Justin had last year and the year Spieth had before. I just feel like it's coming. I feel like he's he's seen he's seen enough of it, you know, and he's going enough is enough, and my buddies are 
you know, it's my time, and I, and so I think we'll. I mean, I'm sort of projecting and predicting he's going to have a big year. He's he seems like a good dude too. He is a wonderful guy. I mean, they all are. All those guys up there got pretty really cool personalities, and uh, you know, they've always been nice to me. And you know, it, it's just it's cool how the generation gap has just been really phenomenal. Well, that's you, though. I mean, getting to know you as a human being and as giving as you are, you know, you got to realize the influence you were on them. That's a no-brainer for somebody coming up to want to attach themselves to you. To me, that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense because they were fans and they still are fans of you. And so, you know, we got to we got to realize they're kids. You know, <laughs> they're so young. You know, it's so uh, we we were there once, and uh, we're still young at heart. Life's moving on, and uh, I'm talking to my buddy John Daly. Uh, he is my maiden voyage on the opposite side of the microphone, and the inner. Instead of being the one being asked questions, I'm asking the questions, and uh, and Lord help the air- airways. I know it's going to be a. What is he doing? Anyway, all right. So I do want to. I do want to go back to some time. I remember being in Memphis with you, and we woke up and we didn't know where Little John was, and we were going like, "Where's Little John?" I mean, like for a little bit of a, a little bit, got a little scared, and then went to the backyard, and he had your balls. He had all your your golf balls out of the box. And he was hitting them, hitting your one iron or whatever. He always hit the like the ball would bury in the thick grass, and he'd leave it where it was. And he was hitting balls through the fence. And we were going like he had his pacifier in his mouth, and we're going like, well, I'm glad he's okay. But second of all, he's hit all your balls that you needed to play that day in Memphis at the St. Jude, and uh, and he's been out there hitting balls in the morning. He's got, obviously got what you had, and that is the. And and what I had growing up musically, wanting to sneak in blues bars or or play music, play 250 nights a year. I was young and very naive and had to do it. Does he have that bug like you did, having to do it? And, you know, obviously we saw at a young age. Take me through his process now. And I know he's training at another school uh, off in Florida. You've had him doing it a little different route, route that you went. Yeah, I mean, well, we didn't really lose Little John. We just couldn't find my wife. Remember, we couldn't find Terry. <laughs> She's out and about all night, but that's all right. But uh, I kind of knew right where I forgot about that. Be. <laughs> oh, my man. Ex-wife. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he just, you know what, he gets it. He is on the chipping and putting green longer than any kid, you know? I think that's what he's seen me do. And someone I've kind of engraved it into him. That's what I like to do. And when he was young, I've always told him, you know, that's what this is what wins golf tournaments, son, chipping and putting. And he, I think it's engraved in his head, and and that's all. He he hits a ton of balls. Don't get me wrong, he hits so many golf balls, but he spends more time chipping and putting than he does hitting balls. And that's like I said, I think it's in, it's just in his blood. He just loves the game of golf. It's like so competitive. I mean, it's, he hates it when I still beat him. Oh, yeah, because you still because you still can go low. So that's that's just the way it is. Our kids have got to accept it. You know, our my son Adrian in basketball, things switch. You know, golf is the one sport. I'm talking to John Daly, legendary, legendary golfer. Uh, beyond golf, we're going to talk music in a little bit. Uh, his love affair for music, but we're talking about uh, little John and my son Adrian. Now, once he became a basketball stud, and he, he had a major, he I mean, he had a lot of people coming to watch him play and play when we played at Mold High School, and and he would light it up. But he got physical, so in in basketball, I'd start to guard. I mean, it would hurt to guard him. 
it would hurt. So, and, and eventually I lost the throne. But in golf, in golf, I mean, I play with 80-year-olds uh, with who get to get from the red tees, and they're tough to beat. You know, my father-in-law's 80. He's tough to beat when he's on those red tees because he'll shoot 75. And so, so uh, the one thing about golf that I've always said is it's the one place to build relationships, but it's the sport you can play forever. So as little John, even if he shoots a 63 one day, I wouldn't be surprised if you snuck up and shot a 62, and that's just the way it is, but at least you got that. So my boys don't play golf. So I don't have the thrill of beating them in anything anymore. <laughs> well, it's not going to be long for a little drunk kick in my, you know what? So I mean, yeah, 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 I know. Um, and I can't wait. You know, I really can't because he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger, he's hitting a little further than last year. Um, his short game is just phenomenal. And you know, the cool thing is, it's what he wants to do. He's already got his life, you know, planned out what he wants to do in his world, and he wants to go to college and play for a university. Oh yeah, he, you're going to have him. So, so the ability to already have him on TV, understand what those cameras feel like. Because when I play like in the BMW or the Bob Hope or whatever back in the day, you know, when they have those cameras are following us around, I can't find any spit. I mean, I'm like nauseous. You know what I mean? Because, but, but, and, and the funny thing is, they don't ever show any of my good shots. They show they want wait until I like. I remember I was like one under at the BMW after about seven holes, and I asked them, "Have they showed anything yet?" And of course, they hadn't. And all of a sudden, they said, okay, we're going to step up to the tee box with you, and I want you to take us through this shot. Well, I'd been cutting everything off the trap, off the left traps, and so I talked them through it, and I yank it. I'm telling you, almost backwards, dead left, right? So then they got me in the woods. I'm walking around, and they're going like, oh, there's Steve Azar lost in the woods. And listen, I'm like 30 yards left. I mean, it's bad. So they hit my hit it out, and I hit a great next shot, and then I chunk one, and I make an ugly six. But it was actually, it was a beautiful six after the way I hit it. But they show those shots. I don't even know where I'm going now. This is the part of me that this is when I need a break uh, and you need a break because uh, obviously my mind uh, goes a little sideways. Uh, and uh, I'm Steve Azar, and I'm with my good friend John Daly, who's having a good time. Uh, he is in parts unknown Florida right now via Dardanelle, Arkansas, and uh, we're going to be right back uh uh, to talk John and his music career. You don't know how to drive till you get behind the wheel And you don't know how to play till you finally take the field Well, you don't know how to go where it'll end until you cut the deal And you don't know what really matters until you risk it all Ain't nothing that's worth winning if losing's not involved and if you're afraid to give away your heart and face what life brings, man, you don't know a thing. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, I'm with my dear friend John Daly, legendary PGA two-time major champion. Uh, and I want to get into the love affair he has for music. I mean, the thing about us artists are we want to be athletes and the great athletes want to be musicians. We spend a lot of time and John and I actually met at probably the Monday after the Masters, John, with uh, Darius and Mark and Dean and and, so and Jim and Sony. And, uh, and I, our buses were parked like neck and neck. 
and we became instant friends right there playing music till late night. And I realized how much John loved to write and sing songs. Did you grow up playing music, or is it something you just started doing after your tour days? No, it happened just kind of on a limb. Um, I love music. Are you on a limb it. or a whim? You were a limb? On a whim. I don't know, a limb or a whim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> so I'm out, uh, me and Larry Rinker were good friends, and I think you know Larry Rinker. Right, I know Larry. I mean, almost one of the most, still to me, one of the most unbelievable guitar players. We call him Easy Chord. Larry's the guy we call Easy Chord because he knows them all. Yeah, I mean, he plays jazz on the guitar, which right. not a lot of people can do. No, exactly. It's like banjo crap. I mean, I, I, it's way over my head. Me too, me too. But it shouldn't so we're be. Pens- we're in Erie, Pennsylvania one day and playing in Ted Grossi's tournament, and uh, he goes, man, all this guitars, you know, you know, you're sending all these clubs and all these jerseys coming your way from these guys, and they're sending you guitars and stuff, and you don't play. I'm going, you know, well, I can't play guitar, Larry. Come on. He, so we go to this music shop, and, you know, he's thinking, we're going to get me a cheap little guitar and a little <laughs> earphone, a little speaker. And I go, we go in this guitar store. I like that. It's a Fender, it's a Fender Strat, purple, and had gold knobs. It was about 9800 bucks. It was a collector. Sounds good. I think it was 19 out of 21. He goes, what are you, what are you buying that for? I said, because ah, it's cool. That's right. Because he told me he told me you need to learn on electric because acoustics hard. You need to always learn on electric. So, I, you know, I got that guitar. He goes, "You're crazy," and just kind of got a, a, a chord book, you know, with basic chords. You know, you know, I still suck at the guitar, but I learned enough to where I could write. And somewhere in New York City, about geez, three or four years later, I'm playing the U.S. Open, and Hootie and the Blowfish is playing. So I go there. I said, "Hey guys, I'm a." Can I come see the show? Yeah, come on. Come backstage and everything. Play a song with us. I'm going, well, uh, 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 well we'll see when I get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those corsets still my drinking days. And uh, <laughs> so I got up and they go, what do you want to do? I said, well, <laughs> knock on the heaven's door. Wow. Is that the first yeah. song you ever learned to play? Because obviously I've heard your version of knocking on heaven's door a lot of times. Is that the first song you learned to play? That's the first song I learned to play and sing because I didn't know it. Because you know, when you start, you just most people, kids are starting out just trying to learn the chords and play the guitar. They're not thinking about singing. Well, I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to play "Knock on Heaven's Door." My mom always liked it. I kind of sang it to myself all the time. And of course, you know, Bob Dylan was the greatest songwriter probably ever. I so I got up there and I was so nervous, Steve. I mean, I'm shaking. I've got a cigarette in my mouth because I'm so nervous. <laughs> I think I walked off this, hang on, and went over and took a shot of whiskey. Okay, I'm good. People are going nuts. So I did it, and when I got done, Darius and Marky came over and says, man, you've been practicing. I go, well, <laughs> trust me, it's the only song I'm going to know for a long time because yeah. I don't know how you guys do this. I can hit a 320-yard drive in front of all these people, but I can't stand up here without shaking playing music in front of y'all. It's, it was frightening. You know, but but you once you up, get into it, though, right? Once you get into it, you miss a little note here and there. You got the band to back you. In yeah, golf, you miss a shot. You got nobody backing you. No, no, no. Trust me, we have a lot of support on stage, and you got nobody <laughs> except you know your caddy, who obviously a big part of your life. But bandmates can save the day. And you know, I'm hearing in in 2019. Uh, Mark and I do this show together where it's just us on stage with Jason. You know, you know my voice, Jason, my sidekick. And uh, Oh, my God, the voice of God. Yeah, the voice of God. And so we all, we do this little thing together, and Mark just plays mandolin and guitars and sings. I Just so so much fun in Charlotte. And he, um, 
Mark Bryan and I and and uh, and he told me that there. It looks like maybe I'm letting this out of the bag a little too soon. But hey, we're on the radio and we, it's my show, and I've got John Daly with me, and we get to say whatever we want. And that is that they're going to get back together, and they're going to tour again. I'm hoping I I get an opportunity yeah, to write been, a song. They've been talking about it. Um, the thing about Hootie, it's the sound that Mark put on that guitar. It's, oh, it's sound so good. Nobody in history music has kind of ever heard. He you know he's I mean? incredible, man. I'm telling you right now, oh. the guy can bring it, and he loves to play. So at my charity event every year that you hadn't been able to make because you had the FedEx, you have St. Jude, and then now you got the Senior Tour, and I can't wait to have you there one day. But at the Delta Soul Slavery yeah. Golf and Charity event down in Greenville, every year we're going on our seventh year. Mark, when he gets it, like we'll go to Blues Bar. He'll grab the guitar and he'll play for two hours. I mean, he's one of those guys that are madly in love with his instrument. And I know that sounded a little funny, but... No, but, he, but he's so good at it. it it's, he is. It's just, you know, it's like, I guess, in a way, it's kind of like me hitting a wedge shot. It's just repetition, repetition. But, right. You know, still, you've got to be... To come up with that sound, or the way he plays a guitar, is just... It, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like your sound. I mean, you, 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 you were a country guy, but, I mean, you, you came out in a blues way that people, you know, it wasn't... That's why you were successful, because it was different. Yeah, well, it was a little sometimes too different. But being from Mississippi and Arkansas, you know, being from sort of where we are, especially where I grew up, it wasn't... See, John, I had no uh, genetic background. It was all through osmosis. And the joke is there's something in the water and all that. But the truth is, I, I fell in love with it at 10 years old, 11 years old, behind my dad's liquor store. Eugene Powell, who's Sonny Boy Nelson, was back there playing for Postmen at the end of the day. And I just got hooked on whatever it was he was saying, singing about, where he made bad things feel good. And I've always written toward a silver lining. And so, also, you're sort of caught between gospel, R&B, blues, rock and roll, country. Being in Mississippi and even where you grew up, you got to realize the artists who have come from, you got Glenn Campbell from Arkansas, Johnny Cash, Charlie Charlie Rich. We've got Elvis and Jimmy Rogers and Conway Twitty and B.B. King and the list goes on and on. So, yeah, Conway Twitty from Arkansas. Tony Joe White, I think, from Arkansas. I mean, Polk Salad Annie, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Polk I mean, Salad Annie. How many times? <laughs> that, that song makes everybody feel good and actually gets people to dancing in ways they should never dance. So anyway, That's what's awesome about it. That is, that, that is what's <laughs> awesome about it. I've got a good friend of mine that, that does the, uh, that uh, one of our really good donors of the Delta Soul, we call him Ken's name, Kenwood. And he does the Elvis thing, and he does poke salad, and and it is awesome. I mean, like he gives the scarves away, and it's like, I mean, he gives like a thousand dollars worth of scarves away every time he plays. I've got one of those scarves, and I, I actually got excited about it. I don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, anyway, we're we're talking <laughs> talking with my my buddy John Daly, and uh, he's in uh, Florida right now by way of Dardanelle, Arkansas. You made two records. Your last record, the song Hit Em Hard. I love that song. Well, we had just finished the album, the Only No One Way album, and it was Darius Rucker was kind enough to do that song with me. That was the song that I thought was really going to do well. And Mickey out in Nashville, he's mastering the album. We're sitting outside, and Matt Nolan um, you know, played for... Um, uh, I was lead guitar player for um, On the Dark Side. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 uh, Eddie and the Cruisers movie. Uh, John Cafferty yeah. and the Beaver Brown Band. Yeah, I think he was playing uh, lead guitar for them, and he was kind enough to come over and help me uh, put some 
stuff down. We're sitting on the back porch having a few drinks with the producer, David uh, David Malloy, and uh, he hit this lick, and he goes, band, and I said, I got a song for that. He goes, what? Yeah, I, I think we need to write it right now. Hit it hard. We're all having a few drinks, having fun. Wrote that song in five minutes. I said, let's go record it. We got all the band, the guys back together, studio musicians, and we recorded it in no time at all, mastered it, put it on the album. And next thing I know, you know, <laughs> seven years later, let's say, okay, 2014, me, Anna, Kritz, and Little John are riding back from the first round of the PGA in, in Louisville. And the radio's on Highway 56, and Little John goes, Dad, that's your song, isn't it? We turn <laughs> it up, I go, yeah, that is my song. What's going on? <laughs> They're playing it. Well, 14 weeks later, it became number seven on the highway, and I'm going, I got a top ten song. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, so I go to Jamie Jamie Johnson's tournament, you know, the famous country song, In Color, that took that song to, to heaven. Um some down there, and Kid Rock's there. There's bunch of country, Jake. I mean, I don't know. There's so many of them, and they're all hugging me because I had no idea it went top ten. Right? Because <laughs> it went top ten on that that weekend. Hey, they all hugging me and stuff. Man, congrats on your song. I'm going. What are y'all talking about? Yeah, I'm, I, love I can't it. wait to go play with my boy Kid Rock. Let's go play God. No, JD, you don't understand. It went number seven. I go. What? Come on. No way. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I got to remind you of something that the other day when you don't know. I love it when you don't know, but I got to bring in my sidekick every once in a while. He's in the room right now, Larry Sip, and he wants to ask you a quick question. So hold hold on. Uh, yeah, uh, John, uh, this is uh, Larry Sip. Uh, it's S S I P P. Uh, is it uh, cricket letter, cricket letter, I, uh, humpback, humpback. So uh, Mississippi being the birthplace of America's music, tell me, Conway Twitty. Uh, R.L. Burnside. You got three seconds. Oh, wow. Well, Conway, from being Conway, Arkansas, I got to go with Conway. I love you. Hello, darling. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. That was my mom's favorite musician. Uh, We listened to Conway (laughs) all the time. But both, I mean, Conway was just, he was soul of country back in the day. John, you do know that Conway's from Mississippi. You can't. You can't take. Right. A, you can't take our guy Conway. He's okay, from Mississippi. Well, I'm not gonna, well his he, family must have been from Conway. Well, he he named they, himself Conway. Twi- I can't remember what it is. But we're gonna take a break right now. And we're gonna come back and we're gonna resume this argument because, um, I, you know, Arkansas likes to take a lot of stuff from Mississippi. I'm not gonna let this happen. I'm Steve Azar. You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute with my good friend John Daly. Stay tuned. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding Hey, I'm Steve Azar. It's in a Mississippi Minute. It takes 60 of them for us to match, you know, like a New York, because they're moving and we're, we kind of lay back. I've got my good friend John Daly on the phone. I did want to bring up, John was talking about not knowing he had a top 10 song on the highway uh, with Hit Him Hard and not knowing anything about it and how cool that was. Before I wrote I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday, before Waiting on Joe and all that, 
I was in my producer, Rafe Van Hoy's uh, house. He would wake up at 3 o'clock. Now, I've got a third child on the way, our daughter Cecilia. She's not born yet, but she's inside. She's living inside of Gwen at the time. And, God, and I love it when married people are still making love after uh, 20 years. Come That's on awesome. with it. It's freaking awesome, isn't it? Come huh? on, buddy. Right, right. I shopped at the right mall, I always say. Got to be the water. Got to be the water for sure, man. I got lucky with that one. All right, but anyway, so... I remember Rafe. So Rafe had no children, and he at one point in Rafe's life, I think first of all at seventeen, this guy wrote "What's Forever For." I mean, come on, you're seventeen. So what's the glory in living? You know, doesn't anybody ever want to oh, stay? Wow. I mean, come on, you're seventeen. But he had a run where he was having two hundred, three hundred songs recorded a year. I remember Rafe going. He walks down in like a, a thick, uh, like a big fur coat, and I go, "What are you doing?" He goes. I've got a hit by Trick Daddy. I'm a thug. So he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I was at the CSAC Awards last night. And they said, congratulations. He says, for what? Just like with you. They go, well, you you're, you got the number three song on the Billboard chart. He goes, what? And they took a Millie Jackson song that he wrote by himself. And Trick Daddy sampled it in I'm a thug. And all of a sudden, he made a quick 400 grand. He was like with another four or 500 grand. And he goes, he goes, uh. I, I didn't even know about it. So isn't it cool that those are the surprises? And, I, you know, it's funny because I keep wanting to wake up and go, I wonder if I got a, a, a hit that I don't know about right now that maybe uh, Reba's re-recorded or something, you know. Cause, <laughs> and so anyway, it's always a, always a good surprise, you know, to, to, to know that you got something working. Okay, so. Oh, that's awesome. At least I, I always worry. I wake up every day thinking I got more kids out there I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, no, I, I, I know. I know. No, no, I know. All right. So I'm with John Daly, uh, two-time major champion of the PGA Tour. But more than that, uh, a giving, giving, giving guy. John, so the big heart. Everybody knows the, how on my side of the fence, uh, watching you always feel like you, you have to give the shirt off your back. You know, the heart in your chest. I mean, this is who the guy that I've gotten to know and love. Tell me, was it your family, your mom and dad? What, growing up, that's got to be instilled in you. And it's got to matter. So where in your life did you realize it's time to start giving back? Pretty much as a kid. I mean, it, it just I had my mom's heart. My mom was an angel. And, uh, you know, we lost her in early 2000s. And uh, my, my life for a couple of years went, went down the hill just because I always, she was my go-to to talk to she always knew the right things to say in a positive way and but i think it's from my mom's heart and you know if you're looking at the the boys and girls club we started in 92 we're celebrating our 27th year next year you remember jocko the human of course box. i remember the human box. phenomenal i'm his free agent so if you want to do any gigs get a hold of me <laughs> he's, he's, he's fair um but he did this reminiscing you know at bonnie's place down on front street in Dardnell. um he was there one night he goes you know he plays on Tuesday nights there, and he goes, he was talking about John Daly and, and the people that I brought to Darnell. I mean, Darnell's a great little town, but it's not the easiest place to get to and all that. And he says, I'm going to do a reminiscent of all the people that have played in John Daly's music-wise in John Daly's tournament. He ran off your songs. He ran off Hooting the Blowfish's song, Glenn Fry's song, Steve Cropper, Johnny Lee, Conway Twitty's Michael, his brother came and played, Mel Tillis, Mickey Gilley. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Right. I mean, even and Jamie Johnson, 
Toby Keith came last year, Jake Owen. I mean, it just goes on. Evan McCain, uh, of course, uh, it, it just it, it's just amazing. And when he did that, I'm going like, wow, I really do have a lot of friends in music. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you really do. Those guys gave me the chance to raise a ton of money for my kids in Dardanelle. Try and get kids, you know, in, in, keep them in school and keep them off the streets. Get them, get them in there playing sports, or you know, we got computers that they can do their homework and stuff on. And oh, it's the greatest thing in the world going home too. You know, whenever right. I can, because they don't treat me the way people treat me outside of that town. And, and you know, if I'm sitting at a bar and I've had too much to drink, hey JD, uh, I'll ask him, hey man, can you take me home? I've had too much. You know, no problem, brother. No problem. Right. You know, when you're outside that element, and they'll tell you how it is. They'll say, hey, you've had enough, or or you know, why aren't you out? Why aren't you playing golf today? Get your ass out there and play some golf, man. We want to see you do well. You know, they'll just tell you like it is. They don't want autographs. They don't want pictures. They just want to hang out and, and see how you're doing, how the family's doing, and hey, let's get together and play some golf. Or hey, come over, I'll cook for you. Or I'll tell them to come over, I'll cook for you. I mean, just it's that hometown, you know, that that nine to five love that you know yeah, these people work real. their butts off every day. And I'm traveling all over the world, and a lot of people are jealous of it, but. Trust me, don't be jealous of it. It's a pain no. in the ass. No, no, I love getting back until home, man. You get there, until you get there and you're playing good golf, it makes it all worthwhile. Right, right. You're struggling <laughs> and you're traveling and in and yeah. out of hotels and all that. It just yeah. it gets old. But um, there's nothing like hometown. There's nothing like the hometown people that you grew up with. And um, they just tell it like it is. And that's that's what I need in my life all the time. That's why I like to go back as much as I can. But when you're playing 37 to 40 weeks a year, you just... You're never home. I mean, right. just, that's just the way it is. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I've been uh, spending a, quite a few uh, uh, Mississippi minutes with my brother, John Daly. It is uh, always a thrill uh, to hear your stories, John. Uh, many blessings, and I, I can't wait to see you out on the road. I appreciate you taking the time. You got it, brother. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.